Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is Jeevana, and I'm joined with Amber again. Hey, Amber. Hey, how's it going? Um, pretty good. I'm excited to talk to you. I love when we get to do these podcasts together. It's been a while. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about community and, you know, maybe how to build community and um, the benefits of a supportive community. And I want to mention that um, we have our big accessible yoga community celebration coming up soon. Um, May 31st, uh, 7 to 9 Eastern time, 4 to 6 Pacific. And it's a great way to get together with the accessible yoga community and support the org. We can talk about it more at the end today, but maybe we could get started with this topic. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good. But y'all definitely stick around to the end because we want to tell you like what we're doing, what kind of party it's going to be, what we're raising money for, all that stuff. So uh, definitely stick around for that. We hope to see you there. All right, let's yeah. talk about my favorite topic. <laughs> ah, I know, me too. I think it's my favorite topic. You know, it's funny because I I think we did this. I think we've talked about it before in the podcast, but it's just like yeah. I think both of us are slightly obsessed with this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've been thinking about, well, what I've been thinking about recently is some of the ways that accessible yoga maybe is misunderstood and maybe I don't know what the word is it's like how kind of the capitalist system just like sneaks in and kind of uses every kind of every grassroots movement you know what I'm saying right yes I do like you know something that's originally created like for and by marginalized folks eventually the mainstream is gonna like catch on to that, take it, run it through the lens of capitalism yeah. and white supremacy and diet culture and all that crap. And then like some weird thing comes out on the other end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of <laughs> what I want to talk about. Like, I feel like that's happened a little bit with accessible yoga, just that I see, I mean, it's, it's great that it's more popular and people are using that hashtag. Like if you look on yeah. Instagram, oh my God. Look under hashtag accessible yoga. You're going to see all yeah, kinds of stuff. Yeah, I don't know stuff. about that hashtag anymore. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> there's some stuff in there that I, I looked in there. And I was like, oh, this looks like when you Google yoga. <laughs> like, right. It's like, there was a lot of things in there I didn't necessarily interpret as accessible. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's It's like not, good and bad, yeah. right? The mainstream's like maybe caught on to that as a term because now, oh, that's a marketing term because people want to talk about it. But like that's a good sign. But I think we have to like reorient on it sometimes. Right. So and what, exactly. what did you mean exactly? Like, so it's been sort of misused um, in a certain way. Yeah. Like that, you know, I think you described it really well that like the culture kind of, you know, especially the contemporary yoga culture seems to be like absorbing accessible yoga. And I think, the main way I see this happening is like this idea that accessible yoga is just about adapting asana and with the goal of having people, having people with like disabilities and older people and larger bodies fit into like a traditional practice. And I feel like that's not really what I, that's not what I was <laughs> thinking with mm-hmm. accessible yoga. Like to me, accessible yoga is actually about sharing power and disrupting the the like hierarchy that we have in in what i would call more traditional yoga spaces mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. a focus on performance and that advanced yoga is equated with advanced asana and people right. who have like thin white flexible bodies are considered more advanced than others so it's just not true and so i worry that the way accessible yoga is being co-opted is that we're being shown a kind of like, oh, you can just use some props or adapt the practice a little, and then you then you'll be able to do what everyone else does, and you'll be able to do the real yoga, 
Right, right. Yeah. So like accessible (laughs) yoga is not a tool to like basically take disabled folks or fat folks or like whoever identifies with the movement or the tools that we talk about for teachers. Like it's not just to take that and be like, okay, well now you can do wheel pose, even though you don't have the right kind of body, you know, like just use these props and these modifications, but like, I'm not going to change my teaching at all to accommodate a wide range of people. I just know that like, if I teach you this one modification, then, okay, you can just keep up with the class. I think that's kind of how it comes across sometimes. It's just like, oh, well, actually, you're not that different. Your needs aren't that different. Uh, We can show you this different way of doing it, and then everything's fine. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's sort of a different version of, like, just go rest in child's pose. (laughs) 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 Right? Like, in a certain way. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's just, like, another version of, like, not it's it's a good example of it's like tokenism or something where you like don't actually change the structure you just like find a way to make people fit in and participate mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. so it's like it's to me accessible yoga is not about participation and like it's it's actually about shifting the whole the whole thing the whole structure the whole dynamic and the way that yoga is being taught because to me What's, what's really missing in contemporary practice is power and conversation around sharing power with students and, and people using yoga as a way to kind of live in their power and not feel like they're either giving it away or having it taken away by anyone, whether it's within the yoga space or outside of that. Right. I mean, to me, yoga is that incredible tool that can connect us to that truth, to that power that we have within us. So if I'm a teacher listening to this right now and you're like talking about sharing power with your students, I might be like, what power? I don't have power over my students. Like, what does that even mean? Can you say more about what you mean? Well, that's kind of part part of why we're we're using the um, theme of community here, I think, today in this conversation is because. To me, that's that's really where we need to move towards is around community and thinking of ourselves in um, in relationship to others. And so, I think what happens in as a yoga teacher, we're trained to act in a particular way, to be the authority, and to have our students follow along with what we tell them to do. I mean, that's just that's the traditional way that education's done in the West, and I also think it's how yo- right. yoga has been fit into that dynamic where the student has almost no power and the teacher has all the power in that relationship. And the teacher is the one basically judging, you know, like (laughs) good or bad. And then we use ideas like correct alignment to decide if someone's doing something right or wrong. And I think what I'm- Beginner, intermediate, advanced sort of Right, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Like what the heck does that mean in yoga? And- and yet, you know, to me is like disrupting that dynamic would mean finding ways to create an environment that's more equitable so that within the yoga class, there's a sense that everyone has respect and has is bringing something to that room, like that every participant is important and is bringing something to that experience. And that's useful for everyone else too. So like... I don't know. There's something about the collective experience to me of a yoga class that's not the same as like an elementary school math class where the teacher's standing lecturing at the front of the room. Like I, to me, a group yoga class that's truly accessible is like a much more dynamic, kind of chaotic and collective group experience where people are just exploring themselves, but in relationship with to each other as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think like when I've been to a class like that, I would agree it's like more chaotic than the sort of like maybe yoga class that most people are used to where the teacher stands at the front and says things in a very calming voice and everybody else just kind of like jumps <laughs> too. You know what I mean? Um, whereas like in a, in a class like that where we're, we're maybe like saying, okay, we're going to do this posture, this practice. And if you're practicing from a chair, here's some options. If you're on the mat, here's some options. Like we have you know, maybe we're leading them through some self-sensing practices and everybody's sort of moving differently to like explore into that. Yeah, it can be a little bit of a a circus sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's fun. And it's, I think, so cool to be able to not just 
offer this sort of like one size fits all experience. That's like, you know, hopefully you're in the mood for what I've got planned for you today. (laughs) And instead like encourage people to have the experience they're having and to meet their bodies where they are and really sense into that. Like that I think is, um, yeah, it's a totally different type of experience. Right. And if, if there's a student that say, uh, like is newer or is struggling with a particular practice, I think the tendency in contemporary yoga is like to get frustrated and feel like that person can't keep up to tell them, okay, yeah, just go rest in child's pose or something rather than really looking at how does each individual affect the group and like, Maybe that person's experience can be a way to for everyone to go deeper into that practice, to really look at like revisiting the basics or look at what what is that practice for, to think about like the purpose behind the practice. And yeah, and maybe it's more of a workshop experience that way. Um, I think I think what happens in a lot of yoga spaces is that people feel like they need to fit in and they don't they don't want to be different and they want to and there's a competitive edge the teachers often performing themselves. In fact, online yoga is even worse sometimes that way where you just basically are taking a class with someone who's doing their practice. Right. And you just look at them like doing it and you think I'm supposed to do what you're doing. It's like copy me kind of thing. And I think there's just this other way where you can really invest in, I don't know, like giving people tools to explore their, their, their bodies and their own minds and their their lives. Can you say more about how that, like this type of class that you're talking about um, enables us to share power with students? Yeah. Like how does that come in? Well, I think it begin. I think the beginning is just the teacher first really reflecting on what their job is and what the goal is for their class. Like what, what, what are you trying to do? And if you, I think if you enter into this space, thinking that you're going to fix someone, you're going to heal them, you're going to solve their problems, you're going to, I mean, even the idea of being like a teacher, I think is kind of problematic for a lot of people. The word teacher, I think is questionable, but it's still like, you know, it's easiest word to use. And especially like as a yoga therapist, I think we really get into that too. Like it's a power position, right? To be the therapist, the one who fixes. And I think a different dynamic can be when you come in, with the, with the respect for each person's life and their experience and with gratitude for them to being there, you know, for being there and being part of the group. And when you're teaching, you could say like, like you said before, you could practice this in a chair or on the mat, on the mat, you could try this variation or that one, you know, you, you maybe don't just move along when someone's struggling. Do you know what I mean? You don't just ignore it and go to the next thing, but actually take a moment to care for them. You don't want to point them out like you're not doing it right. I don't mean that, but like you see that people are not following along or they're struggling with something and you think, okay, how could I, um, I don't know, how can I support them in this experience so that they are a respected part of this group? I don't know how to say it. I I'll give you an example. Like sometimes I've been to classes where usually like the people who don't think they're quite as advanced will go to the back or like hide in the back of the room. And whether it's like an older person or someone with a disability or someone practicing in a chair or whatever, they'll kind of go in the back and they think they don't want to be seen. And it's almost like they're just observing or something. They're not really part of that. And that, that right, hurts right. me because I'm like, why? Why can't you just be front and center, like part of this whole circle of practitioners working together. Um, I think think especially because, um, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. I just wanted to add that like um, my experience is that usually someone who has, you know, a vastly different lived experience than the majority of the class, whether that's a person with a disability or somebody that has like a a physical, you know, limitation or challenge in some way, um, those are the innovators. Those are the people that I end up learning stuff from as a teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like they come into my class and they're going to do something with their bodies that I have never seen before, or they'll support themselves in a way that nobody taught them. It was just intuitive. And, and like, if I get curious and ask about that, always learn something. And I think that 
you know, I wanted to respond to what you were saying about people kind of not wanting to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a big opportunity for us as teachers to, I don't want to say correct that, but to um, maybe dispel the myth that they should be hiding in the back of the class or that they wouldn't be um, as important to the class as somebody who maybe, you know, doesn't need to use a chair to get up and down off the floor or whatever. Like, I think it's up to us as teachers to normalize the idea that people are going to be practicing in different ways, that people are going to come in here in different types of bodies, um, that bodies change from day to day and throughout the seasons of our lives and through injury and through pregnancy and through, you know, aging and all those things. And like, these are things we can talk about in our classes. You know, these are ways that we can start to make it clear that like yoga is not just for people in, you know, young, thin, flexible, you know, whatever the stereotype is of like, well, you need to be this before you're like good at yoga, you know, Mm -hmm. like yoga is not just for those people. And actually what I think you're saying is that if we can give our students some tools around accessibility that make the experience more equitable, um, that they can actually shine in their own individual way. And that's an asset. That's not something that's going to hold the class back. That's not something that like they need to apologize for. But I think that, you know, as yoga teachers, like I say this a lot, like we, we're the culture makers, like we get to decide what this landscape looks like, you know what I mean? And so we can either continue to do things the way that they are done because, you know, that's how we were taught or whatever, or bit by bit, you know, class by class, we can like drop these little things in, right. When we talk to our students and, and normalize the idea that like, yep, I'm standing at the front of the room, but I'm not in control of you. Like you're in control of your own body. Um, you're in charge of what happens to that body and what we do with that body. I'm going to make some suggestions, but like, you know, just little subtle things that you can say like that. I think totally, change the expectations in the environment of a space like that and really allow students to sense in the possibility of like, Oh, right. I'm in charge of this. Like there's boundaries around it. There's, you know, choices that I can make that are, that are better or worse for me. And only I really know that, you know? Exactly. I mean, that's the key. And I, I think it's really hard for newer teachers, especially because I think you know, when you're kind of new, you're insecure and you think, oh, I'm doing something wrong if everyone's not doing this the same way or something. You know what I mean? Like that I'm somehow failing as a teacher and I need to get everyone in right, line. Right, because not everyone can catch up or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, I think when you get more comfortable with yourself as a teacher, then you're also more comfortable with other people being themselves. And it's not that you're not giving them information, like you can give information, but it doesn't mean that, um, you failed in some way. What I, what I guess what I was trying to get at earlier is like, you can use the challenges as a strength. So if someone, so like if you're teaching a standing balancing pose and someone's struggling with balance, you know, you could actually have everybody work at the wall or everyone use a chair, find different version that is a little bit more supportive of balance. Right. And that's going to help everybody. I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that like the quote advanced students get frustrated and won't want to come back. Yeah, or bored. And, right. <laughs> I mean, if anything, then they're not advanced because to me, like, it, well, what is advanced in yoga anyway, right? Like is advanced yoga because you can do some complicated form with your body or is it because your mind is peaceful? You know, and if that's the case, if your mind is peaceful, then it's not going to bother them. If they want to work out, maybe they need to go to an exercise class. But I think that's part that's of right. where we get stuck is that yeah. people want to come for their exercise and they don't want to be held up by other students that are slower. But to me, that's not really what yoga is about. You know, yeah. Yoga's and that's not a community. People. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference yeah. between a fitness class where it's like, this is the class and this is what we're doing. And if you get left behind, well, you just need to take a break, you know, and a community experience where we're going to make sure that everybody is able to have, you know, an affirming and positive embodied experience, even though that may look vastly different from person to person. I'm not going to be like a drill sergeant up here shouting out orders at the expense of like whoever can't keep up. 
that's not the feeling of a community. A community makes sure that nobody gets left behind. A community makes sure mm-hmm. that like if you're resourced one day and the other person isn't, that you share it. You know what I mean? So like sometimes maybe you have endless amounts of energy and somebody else is not able to do what you're doing maybe you can slow your roll a little bit and take, take into consideration <laughs> the other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like they would, you know, maybe it's like, like, I feel like, okay, when I think about, for instance, the difference between, let's say, uh, going for a run with a group of people, like maybe that you meet up with in your city or whatever, you know, I've done stuff like that or with the bike stuff and like people do get left behind. It's like, Oh, well this is like intermediate ride, you know, versus like, let's say a hike I would lead at one of my retreats. We Mm. go slow. We go the pace of the slowest person. Like that's just what happens because everybody is going to be doing the same thing. I'm not worried if other hikers are bored because they can go off and like look at leafs and, you know, take pictures and circle back and help others. If they got boundless amounts of energy, like Mm -hmm. to me, the experience of everybody feeling like, Oh yeah, I was part of this. I finished. I did the same thing. Like that is more important than like us getting good time or finishing a certain amount of postures in an hour or like whatever the, you know, the, the thing is like, remember your, remember the aim of like what we're trying to do here. Like this is not about cranking out some kind of quota or speed. This is really about like, are we honoring our students and like meeting them where they're at? And it, and it's not like supported from a culture that's built on the grind and production and, um, performance and competition. I mean, this is really a, anti-capitalist approach where it's like community-based practice where I think what you said was so important. No one's left behind. I mean, that's essential to me. Like everyone is valued equally in a yoga class, regardless of their experience. And I think we can all benefit from that. We all benefit from the diversity of the other students because for one thing, we're all going to be there someday. Like there's going to be a time when you're older or you're sick or you're disabled and you're going to need to go slow and you're going to want people to wait for you. And so I feel like it's just, it's respecting humanity and it's also respecting yourself because when you leave someone behind, you're actually leaving part of yourself behind. Oh, I like that. Say more. I mean, like, like I said, it's humanity. Like the, the reality of our humanity is that we're all incredi- we're incredibly diverse. Our experiences are different. Our bodies are different. Our abilities are different. And no one is better than anyone else. In fact, it's kind of the heart of ableism is this hierarchy of thinking that one kind of body is better than another kind of body. And, you know, in our system, we basically throw away bodies that don't perform. We actually think that people who are disabled or older or chronically ill are not as valuable as others. And I think we saw that through COVID, you know, where we don't put the energy into protecting those who have a compromised immune system or or, or seniors, you know, it's like, I think we need to, I think respecting our humanity means respect, respecting every single individual. Um, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everyone and be friends with everyone, but you have to respect them. And so in a yoga right. class, I think as a teacher, it means you have to like make sure all of your students feel included equally. Like no one's left behind. Like that's that's the theme in my classes, right? No one's left behind. And I love yeah. what you said about hiking. That's such a great analogy. But I'll say one, one other thought I have. And to me, some of the challenge arises between students. So even if the teacher is doing a great job and really like has their heart in the right place and really trying to make a a beautiful kind of collective experience, I found even when I felt like I was doing my best that sometimes students wouldn't be on the same page with me. And they were, like I said before, either stuck in this competitive mode, they were like frustrated that they couldn't go faster or they felt that it was their job to correct other students. And that has caused so many issues Uh for me in yoga. (laughs) Yeah. Like where all of a sudden a student decides they're like my teaching assistant, even though I've never asked them to help anyone else, they will start. Yeah. I've had that happen a couple of times. They want to go over and give adjustments or like whisper, like try it this way. I'm like, yes. Or like they're bringing props to someone. Like I've had, often I'll have like a student who has a disability, maybe like they're using a wheelchair or some other mobility device. And like another student thinks they need to help the person with a disability. And it's such like, it's such a 
example of ableism or like not understanding the value of disability to always think that non-disabled people need to be helping disabled people. It's just, it's just cliched nonsense. And like, you know what? It's, that's not what I'm saying. Like, we're not saying like, be the helper and like, make sure that everyone's um, doing the same thing. That's not what I mean. I'm saying respect everyone's individuality and make sure they feel respected, actually like respected, like literally like their autonomy is, is respected, like their bodily autonomy. So you're not going to go and like help them or touch them unnecessarily. Um, their humanity is respected, you know, meaning that you ask for their consent like you would with anyone else. Like another example of this that I see a lot in, um, accessible yoga classes that is really a challenge is if you have a student who has communication issues, like they don't speak using words or they have a, an assistant bringing them to class, there's a tendency to like communicate with the assistant and not talk directly to the participant. And that's, that is really problematic. You know, that is a problem. You need to be able to communicate directly with your students in some way. For sure. So Um, I want to go back to something that you were talking about, um, which is how if accessible yoga, if, if the, the point is not to like, okay, help, you know, the misfits fit in (laughs) or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I know you've talked about like accessible yoga's tools can really help folks like find their own individual individuality. Is that the right way to say that? Individuality, their own uniqueness, right. Within a community. Like, how does that look when it, when it happens? Mm -hmm. Well, we talked a little about how it's like a mess, (laughs) you know, it can be a little chaotic, (laughs) but, uh, you mean from the teacher side? Yeah. Like, um, like how, what are ways that, um, that you can encourage students to find their individuality or like, um, if you lead this type of class, like what tends to happen? Yeah. I I think what I do is I focus on people's inner experience rather than the external appearance of a pose. So again, to say that again, like inner experience versus outer appearance, because inner experience is really what we're working on at yoga. Yoga is a, yoga is an inner personal spiritual practice is about subtlety and, and, and learning to accept and love yourself. I mean, honestly, that's what yoga is really about, right? Like the fact is that we use words in yoga, like spirit and Atman in Sanskrit or, or Purusha or whatever. But I actually think that's just you. Like those are just words for like the essential you. And in, 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 I don't mean to oversimplify, but I really think it's about embracing the fullness of who you are and loving the parts of yourself that are really unattractive to you, like loving your, I don't know, your body, your mind, your heart and every part, everything you think, all the, all your failures and all your shortcomings. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think do. as a participant, that's the goal actually is to really like embrace the fullness of yourself. And so if the yoga class is taught in a way where you're actually thinking that you have to change or, I mean, even that word like transformation, we say, oh, yoga is transformational, but I don't think that's correct. I don't think it's about transforming into something else. It's just becoming more, I don't know, to deepen your connection with yourself Mm-hmm. to embrace yourself more fully. That's what the transformation Definitely. of yoga is about. Yeah. Right. It's not about changing you as a person necessarily. It's about, I think, a reorientation of the mind and like looking at things through a different lens, increasing your self-awareness. So then you can like move into the world in a more focused and grounded and compassionate way, you know, and in a clear way that isn't wrapped up in, you know, our identity our identifying with, you know, our possessions or our body or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanna, you know, I like, Oh go, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think trauma informed teaching is important to mention here because I think that's often what trauma informed yoga is getting at. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, if it's done correctly, it's getting at the idea of, um, uh, the inner experience of the practitioner is the key. And actually not just that, but they're, the idea of trauma-informed teaching is giving power back to the participant 
And I feel like accessible yoga is the same. Uh, to me, accessible yoga and trauma-informed teaching are basically the same thing. Um, and I don't think you can really have one without the other. Sometimes I think trauma-informed teaching is misconstrued to be about um, invitational language and don't say this word or don't say that word. But really, it's right. it's really a much deeper thing, right? It's a deeper question about are you giving somebody more control so that they don't have like um, a trauma response in that class and actually can can quiet their mind through calming their nervous system to become more comfortable with themselves and, and just be with themselves. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think community can do that for people sometimes too. I think about, especially when we talk about like affinity groups or, mm. you know, like uh, mm -hmm. let's say a yoga class that's specifically for people in larger bodies or specifically for disabled folks or like Brown girls yoga, you know, stuff like mm -hmm. that where it's like a specific community I think yes. can really relax the nervous system in a way that no amount of like correct cueing could do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. because as human beings, like our nervous systems affect one another. And so when you walk into a space or move into a space where you are the only whatever, right? If you're the only black person in a room full of white people, if you're the only fat person in a room full of thin people, like whatever, that is a, an, a time when your nervous system may become very guarded because like one of the most primal ways we know that we belong somewhere is like, can you look around and see other people that look like you, right? That's mm -hmm. sort of the, the first of, you know, sort of like, am I in the right spot? You know, like I like mm -hmm. to say like, you know it when you walk into a biker bar, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody there, like they have a certain way of signaling to one another of like who belongs. And like, it's a funny example, but when you walk into a yoga studio or a wellness space, think about the subtle coding that is there of who belongs in that space, right? Exactly. Through everything from the physical space. Can you even get into the door if you use a mobility device? Uh, to the seating in the space? Is it going to fit your body? Uh, to what is carried in the retail area and what sizes those clothing comes in? Mm -hmm. To, you know, are fragrances used in the space? Like everything, every single thing is a mm -hmm. decision that could be made. And that also sends a message about like who belongs here. Yeah. And so I think that when you can be in a space where you are with people who share a lived experience or share an embodied experience of some kind, it does this thing where like you can almost sort of let your guard down a little bit in an, in an un, unplanned and unconscious way. And I've seen it happen so many times because I feel like a lot of times, you know, you might go into a space and they say like, oh, all bodies are welcome or, you know, yeah. everyone's welcome here. But then their actions don't really tell you that, you know, the way they set it up don't really tell you that. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to really trust and like let your guard down. Whereas I feel like when you're around people that, you know, like, oh, we've all been through this thing together. We all share this lived experience of being um, this particular identity or whatever then the nervous system can relax and like you can really start those, you know, the yoga practice and not just like, okay, let's squish our body into different yeah. forms or whatever. And the other thing I wanted to say about that is like being around people who, um, where you can see yourself reflected, I think is so important. Um, because community, I think like when community is at its best, a couple of things happen. Number one, you don't have to leave parts of yourself at the door in order to belong. So automatically you're going to be there in a more open, more grounded, more genuine way, right? Because you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that happens is that community really becomes this sort of, sometimes I say like a mirror, but it's sort of this like proving grounds for yourself if you let it right. Because like oftentimes when we're around other people who shared a lived experience with us and maybe we see them do, I'll just give a personal example. Like for me, when I was trying to first like make peace with my body, you know, most of my life I'm in a bigger body plus size fat body. And 
you know, everything in society is telling me that I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive. I can't have the clothes I want. I can't get a date, you know, like all those stories we have about what it means mm-hmm. to be a person, a bigger body. And so I discovered, you know, the body positivity community on the internet. This was like a long time ago on live journal. Um, and I would see these fat women in these fabulous outfits, like in these fashion communities that I joined. And I would feel so weird inside, just like, oh my gosh, like I want to look like her, but I don't want to look like her. Like she's even fatter than me, but I want to look like her. But And it was like this, this thing broke in my brain where it was like, I could sense possibilities for myself in other people that I never would have been able to if I hadn't like seen it on them first. Do you know what I mean? And like fashion is sort of a stupid example, but I've seen this happen at my retreats also where, you know, we'll have a bunch of fat women in the room together and we start doing headstands and we start um, encouraging one another and we go on a hike and people jump off rocks into the water or they like do whatever thing is that they were told is not for them. Hmm. And then there's this transformational moment where you're like, hold up. If they were wrong about that, Hmm. (laughs) what else were they wrong about, about me? You know what I mean? And that I think is something that can only happen in community where you really get to see yourself reflected in a way that is positive and in a way that dominant culture can never like imagine you to be right because dominant culture looks at us and doesn't value us. Right. When I say us, I mean, marginalized folks and folks who have, you know, the, the people we're talking about today that benefit from accessible yoga, like dominant culture sees us as disposable as not desirable. And so like, they don't even have the imagination to say like, Hey, uh, you know, like the people that have, you know, practiced with me and say like, I've never even had a teacher ask me if I wanted to do a headstand. You know what I mean? Like there's like these, and not to say that like you have to have some goal, like a headstand. I'm just giving that as an example because I've had so many students tell me that they really, really want to do one, but they don't think they can because they're too big or whatever. And they've had teachers tell them that it's not for them. And so I think sometimes it takes being in community with other marginalized folks that share your lived experience to be able to even see you in a way that says like, yo, I see you as like the full and valuable and whole person that you are with all of the like amazing stuff that you've learned in these lived experiences that you've had, like that being embraced in community in that way, I think is such a game changer for so many people because we get to really like see the possibilities for ourselves in Mm -hmm. others first. And then it like feels possible to try it. And so I don't know. I just, um, I love talking about this because I feel like creating a space like that, you know, even if students come in and they don't, you know, it don't have to be some big audacious goal and maybe they never even give you the feedback about it. Mm -hmm. But like creating a space like that is transformational for people, not in the way of like, oh, and then they'll finally be able to do a handstand. But in the way of like, it's going to change the way they see themselves. It's going to change the opportunities that they allow for themselves. It'll change the way that they show up to a class like that, right? To not hide in the back, but actually to say like, yeah, check me out in my chair up here. You're going to learn something. <laughs> you know and, what I mean? But like, I mean, yeah, I do. And I want to connect it like to what I was trying to say before. I think you said it yeah. even better. I was trying to say like the goal of yoga to me is that like self um, acceptance, right? Like to be at home with yourself. And you're saying like, that's what community does. And that's beautiful. I think you're right. Like community can like give us that experience of coming home. And that's what we want in yoga to feel safe and connected, you know, and to be at peace with ourselves. And I think affinity groups like are especially important. And I, it's interesting because, um, Tan asked that question in our accessible yoga community Facebook group the other day. And uh, honestly, I think some, some teachers, some white people were confused to be honest, um, about it. And I get that confusion. Like in what kind of, in what kind of way? Well, I feel like some of the responses were like, I want to welcome everyone to my class. Like that's the point of oh, accessible right. like, yoga this is, is that this is divisive. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that like, Oh, accessible yoga is about making everyone feel welcome. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? You can't always do that. Like you can't, you yeah. as an individual, especially as a white person cannot create that safety for all your students. So 
let people have their own space. Like that's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be there for everyone. You know, that's right. Yeah. So, and you're not the teacher for everyone. So. No. Although I do, it's funny cause we talked about that in a previous episode. Like I think that concept, I think you have to prepare yourself as if you are going to be the teacher for everyone, but not be upset if you're not, you know what I mean? Not be upset when people find right. someone else. I don't else. mean it in the way of like, oh, well, if you can't keep up, I'm not the teacher for yes. everyone. Like not that way, but no. more like there's going to be certain students that are drawn to you and certain ones that don't vibe with you. And like, that's also natural in any human situation. You know what I mean? Right. Like you may be the most skilled teacher in the world. There's still people are going to be annoyed by your mannerisms or whatever, because you remind them of their mom or something, you know, like, so I think. But it's also um, a power dynamic. I think it goes along with, um, I would say the theme of this conversation, which is sometimes it can be a power trip to think that you're going to make everyone welcome. Like when I, I was saying before, like, that's the goal, right? Is to create a space where everyone feels welcome and everyone is respected and all that. At the same time, you may not be able to do that. And that's not your fault. It's not your fault necessarily. Is if you're trying, it could just be that that student needs a different group. They need a group of people who look like them. Like I remember Kelly Palmer, um, you know, she always talks about, um, race and equity in my accessible yoga training. And people think like Kelly's going to teach you like how to make your, like as a white teacher, how to make your classes more welcoming to people of color. And it's like, not at all what she's talking about. Right. That's not what the point she's right. like hand over power. What did she say? She's like, give them the keys to the studio, like give black people the keys to the studio is what Kelly says. And I feel like that kind of sums it up, which is like create space, like lift up other teachers, either, Support them in some way. Um, hand over your classes occasionally. Give them your platform. Like if you have a platform, like for me, that's yeah. what Accessible Yoga is for. Like Accessible Yoga as an organization, the nonprofit is literally designed, and, and the school as well, are designed to platform teachers that normally don't have a platform. Like we, are, we survive, like we exist to platform diverse voices because I know that I'm not, the, I'm not there. I can't do it for everyone myself. Like that's not. The point, the point is to hand over the keys, right? Yeah, like so, mm -hmm. anyway, I, anything else you want to share about community, or should we talk about the celebration? Should we talk about accessible yoga celebration? Yeah, let's do that. But um, I wanted to talk about just real quickly uh, if you're a student that wants to find a community, like how do you mm. do that? Well, you know, one thing is like with COVID, I feel like all the teaching that's moved online has been really helpful for people that are, are really wanting a particular group to practice with, like an affinity group. And I think it's easier to find that online than in person. So, you know, you can really do some research. Um, you can reach out to the Accessible Yoga community and post in there on Facebook. We have a huge community. You can always ask, like, anyone know about yoga for blank? And you can find community that way. I think... Um, talking to yoga teachers and asking their for their help and finding the right place to fit in. I mean, the problem is a lot of yoga teachers will say like, just come to me. Um, Google, you know, Google is your friend. I would say just like Google it yoga for blank. Um, and I just feel like there's so many small little communities that popped up over COVID time that, can really be there for people. What do you think? What else can people do? Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't remember if you just mentioned this, but, um, or if it popped into my head, but uh, ask in the spaces that you're already in. So let's mm -hmm. say like, if you're um, a person in a fat body who wants to practice with other fat folks, um, you know, I'm in a bunch of like, plus size related communities on the internet, like in Facebook, there's, you know, this one called like, um, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna remember any of the names of them, but we'll just say like, if I'm in like a plus size fashion community, I could actually post in there and say like, Hey, does who you, who has mm -hmm. a yoga class that they love online? Right. Like if you're, um, if you're in a support group for some kind of like disability or chronic illness or whatever, ask for your recommendations there, like to other people who have similar lived mm -hmm. experiences to you. I think asking friends is always a great idea. And um, I would also say that like, if you have a yoga teacher that you trust who maybe doesn't teach in a way that you and 
you know, vibe with or whatever, you could ask them like, Hey, do you know anybody that like runs these types of classes? Um, Mm -hmm. and they can always point people to, I mean, we get emails all the time and accessible yoga or yoga for all training or any of the stuff that I'm involved with. That's like, Hey, do you know a yoga for all teacher in Kansas city? You know, and then we can actually post in our groups and ask for Mm -hmm. them. So, you know, sometimes you just got to like flex your network a little bit and just see who knows who. Yeah. I think that's the, what makes me sad sometimes to think that people try yoga once they go to the local studio, they take whatever random class is happening and they think, Oh, yoga is not for me. And I, (laughs) I would just say maybe yoga is not for you, but I think probably you could find a more welcoming environment or a different class that would work for you. And so I, I just say, don't give up, try out different classes, like go to different teachers, find different communities, you know, yeah. explore, like it's an exploration. There's so much out there. It's incredible. Like so many yoga books, so many amazing, um, online resources, accessible yoga. Like we're the nonprofit we're building out a studio which I haven't talked about much, but eventually we'll have classes that people can take through our platform. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many opportunities out there to find the right community for you. That's what I would say. Great. So if you want to join our community, you should come to the community celebration. How's that for a segue? Yeah. And I would say if you're listening to this, you're already part of our community. So that's <laughs> thank true. You. So you belong there anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you. Tell us about this event. Like what's going on? What are we raising money for? Why well, it we is a fundraiser. So I'll just say that up front. We call it a community celebration. It's our annual fundraising event. Uh, we did it. Well, annual. We did it the first time last year, last May. And this is the second annual one. We're raising money for our scholars fund. And that's where we... Um, we give away $1,000 gifts to uh, yoga students with diverse backgrounds who want to become yoga teachers. And we gave away the first round last year, and you can read about that on our website. Um, six people got $1,000 grants to take yoga teacher training. And we're going to raise money to, offer, to do that again this year. So we have a bunch of ways you can be involved. You can come to the event and make a donation when you get a ticket, although you can also get a ticket for free if you want. Um, You can uh, bid in our silent auction, which is going to happen probably leading up to the event and also like online you can bid and then also at the event, the bids will close. Um, And you can just make a donation to the Scholars Fund um, or to Accessible Yoga in general at any time. The event will be um, hosted by you and me Right. Hooray. <laughs> Everyone's and, favorite comedy duo. <laughs> well, you're funny at least. In my own mind. <laughs> I am a legend. Um, we're going to have entertainment by um, Mix Puja, who does really great kirtan. I'm excited about that. We'll have, oh, and we give away awards. So that's really fun. We have um, three awards that we give away every year. We have the ambassador of the year, the advocate of the year, and the supporting organization of the year. And one of them this year will actually, the advocate of the year is going to be in memoriam um, for Marsha Danzig, who passed away uh, a few months ago, who's the founder of Yoga for Amputees. And um, we want to honor her work. And so we'll be talking about her a bit Mm -hmm. and um, giving away two other awards that I think are still going to be a little bit secret. So you have to come to the community celebration to find out. Yes. So it's a celebration of our community. We give awards to just a few people, although everyone in the community probably deserves an award. (laughs) And um, we try to get you to donate or bid on our, um, you know, on the great stuff we'll have in the silent auction. We'll have really great things. We have um, some yoga vacations and yoga trainings on there. Uh, Lots of stuff that you can buy to support accessible yoga (laughs) that's right and uh at the end uh unfortunately for all of you i'm going to be djing again so we're going to be having another dance party um 
accessible yoga just doesn't want to hire an actual DJ, so they keep asking me to do it. <laughs> no, we would Which not I'm, do it without you. Are I'm you just kidding? kidding. I'm uh, happy to do it. Uh, to DJ, which means make a playlist. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that I have fun is like if y'all haven't been to one of my Zoom dance parties, I think they're pretty fun. Like we have a mm-hmm. great playlist. It's high energy. And basically, we have like a dance off the whole time because my job as a DJ is basically just to highlight people's Zoom videos with consent, of course. If you have your video on, you don't have to. It is Um, fun. But it's so fun to watch everybody in their different outfits and their different backgrounds where they are. And like the kids come join in and the pets come on the camera and like it's a blast. So I hope that y'all will join us. It's really fun. It's It's a a party. It is a party. It's a great time to be together. Yeah. And And we also, I don't know, stuff is hard y'all right now. Like it's dangerous (laughs) to be alive. The world has lost Mm. its mind. It seems like our government's trying to kill us. Like let's get our joy where we can. Like we really want to celebrate with y'all and celebrate the work of these amazing people in our community. So come hang. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's a great moment to stop and celebrate some of the good things going on in the world. And um, anyway, I hope you'll be there. You can get more information on our website, accessibleyoga.org. Uh, tickets are free or by donation, any amount you want to you donate to us. Um, of course, we're nonprofit, so it's tax deductible. You know, whatever that means, you have to figure that out yourself, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's on May 31st, which is, is that a Tuesday? I'm confused. Uh, yes, it's a Tuesday in the yep. U.S. and it's at four to six p.m. in California time here in Pacific time, and I believe seven to nine on the East Coast. Um, it'll be probably the middle of the night in Europe, but in Asia and Australia, you can probably join us. So I hope you will, and I hope you'll I hope you'll join us that day or support Accessible Yoga in some way. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amber, for a great conversation as usual. Yeah, it's great talking with you. All right, right, y'all. Hope we'll see you there. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.